Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast, if you're new here. Basically, every Sunday, I share with you all interesting and weird stories from my small hometown, Brown County in Indiana. Now, these stories range from true crime to the paranormal and literally everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, just want to drop a line or let me know interesting facts related to some previous episodes that have already been covered, you can do that by emailing me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all the articles I use for research in my episodes, I always try to post those in the description box should you feel interested and want to read those for yourself. Starting it up from the top, hello everybody and happy 2022. Now I'm sure you're sitting here and going, Lark, you said you weren't going to upload and you were taking the month of January off. Here I am. Yeah, you know, it didn't last very long, did it? Basically, I'm just going to go into this 2022 with this podcast, posting, you know, as I feel like it. To be honest, I feel inspired recently, and I have a bit of time set aside, so I was like, you know, what the heck, why don't we release a new episode? And I'm going to kind of stick to that model, or try to, for the entirety of 2022, so I would highly suggest that you hit that notification if podcasts have that, or subscribe, you know, whatever works so that you get notified when I post a new episode if you're interested. I feel like that this kind of model makes it more fun for me, at least, because, you know, while I'm not uploading weekly, I am uploading when I feel inspired to do so, which I feel like creates more interesting content for you guys to listen to. Because rather than me just coming, you know, going through the drudge of trying to find stories every week that I find interesting and posting, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into that. There's just a lot of time that I have to um, use to create those episodes. And sometimes I'm not interested, (laughs) to be honest, with what I'm posting. So I don't want to do that. I want to only post episodes that I'm very invested in and very interested in and ones that I think that you guys will have fun listening to and be interested and invested in as well. I love this podcast and I love the episodes that we've covered and I want to continue to love it and work on it and, you know, create episodes and content for you guys. So stick with me as we continue this podcast, but in a less stringent and, you know, schedule. So let's get into today's episode. It is going to be a historical one. You know, there's no murder. There's no Mothman. Bigfoot doesn't make an appearance either. This is the historical review analysis discussion surrounding Brown County's very own ghost town of Elkinsville. Now you're like, Lark, you said no paranormal. Why are you talking about ghosts? Okay, not physical ghosts. I'm not talking about ghosts. It's also not a Western story. This is a ghost town of Elkinsville. I'll get into it. I'll break it all down. Don't you worry. But, you know, even though it has ghosts in the name, there's no ghosts. I'm sorry. I know it's a disappointment. I'm honestly disappointed. But yeah, no ghosts were involved in Elkinsville that I know of, nor will we be talking about ghosts today. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it, you all. The history of Elkinsville, Brown County's very own ghost town. Now, the town of Elkinsville was once a very well-developed and successful farming community. It was located 17 miles away from Nashville in the Hoosier National Forest. Now, pause. Do you remember when we talked about Browning Mountain? Yeah, the mountain that has a lot of lore that I said was tied to colonization and guilt. Um, But anyway, 
in the Browning Mountain episode, we talked about the Browning family who, yes, of course, had to, you know, take land away from the indigenous tribes and then claim it as their own and name it after themselves. The Browning family was originally from Elkinsville, and we briefly, briefly touched on the town of Elkinsville in the Browning Mountain episode. I just wanted to point that out there. Elkinsville is located 17 miles away from Nashville, so very close in the Hoosier National Forest, which we've talked about multiple times, the Hoosier National Forest, also tied to Bigfoot sightings. Now, the town of Elkinsville was named after its first settler, William Elkin. Man, people really just like naming stuff after themselves. They really do. You know, couldn't you find a more inspiring name? I don't know. According to historical reports, the town of Elkinsville was established officially in 1816. The town is located under the shadow of Browning Mountain, which if you haven't, you know, checked out that previous episode, I highly recommend you do so. The town of Elkinsville was a very small town, okay, and it had a general store, one-room schoolhouse, blacksmith, and a carpenter. Now, by all accounts, the town was doing very well for itself, surprisingly, and its population was steadily increasing over the years. The lives of those in the town resolved around community, school, church, and family. Now, all of the children in the town attended the one-room schoolhouse, and they attended that school up until grade six, where they would then go to the Brown County High School that was located in Nashville, Indiana. There's also notes as there being a peddler or there having been a peddler that would frequently visit Elkinsville, as the Elkinsville families would rarely be able to make the 17-mile trip to Nashville for goods. Because in that time, guys, the only way to travel fast, quickly, and efficiently was by horseback, okay? And if you're not familiar with the terrain and area of Brown County, it's very hilly, it's very rocky, and it's not fun. (laughs) to traverse those hills without there being a road with which to ride your horse. So Elkinsville was an extremely rural town that was kind of just living its best life by itself doing its own thing. The town of Elkinsville wasn't close to Brown County in a very fast and efficient way, so they really just didn't go out of their way to go there if they couldn't help it. So the peddler would come and provide them some goods that they wouldn't have otherwise had easy access to. This little quaint rural town would change drastically in 1963 when the government bought the entire land that made up Elkinsville. Now, the government bought the land in order to make what is now known as the Lake Monroe Reservoir. So, again, if you're not familiar, Lake Monroe is a humongous lake, huge lake, where people get their water source in Bloomington, you know, some parts of Brown County do as well. It's a big old lake that provides water to the surrounding towns. Now, the hundred or so families of the town of Elkinsville were forced to leave their homes behind as all of the buildings of the town of Elkinsville were destroyed completely to make way for the creation of the lake and its reservoir. So government comes in and is like, hey, girl, hey, I know you have a cute little town that is adorable, like, love that for you, but we bought it and now you need to leave. Okay, bye. 
Now, they did provide some form of compensation, I guess, to the families, but, like, is that enough when you're forcing the relocation of families that have lived in that town for a while, who have children, you know, they really have close ties with their homes in that town and are just immediately forced to leave it with no option of being able to stay and then also just given a little bit of money. Like, was it enough money? Were they able to turn around and then buy another home? Probably not. It would have just been very traumatic. And all of this took place within a period of three months. Within a period of three months, the town of Elkinsville was destroyed for the creation of Lake Monroe. Now, many think that the town of Elkinsville is now entirely submerged underwater. That's not the case, though. You would think, you're like, okay, families were forced to relocate and leave their homes. Lake was built. They made them leave because they were going to get drowned, you know? Like, oh gosh, you're under feats of water. No one wants to live like that, you know, live there. Are you a fish? No. But that's not actually what happened. Some of the houses are underwater, okay? But not all of them. Some of them you can still look at and they're still kind of there. The foundations of them are, at least but they would be on the floodplains. So, like, I still don't think you'd want to live there. wouldn't be a safe, safe house. So once the Army Corps of Engineers bought the land, they ended up purchasing up to 555 feet past the town to accommodate for the floodplains. So not only did they have to buy, you know, the land of Elkinsville and the town of Elkinsville, they kind of had to spread out a little bit past that in order to make sure that people, you know, couldn't buy land that was a part of the floodplain. So they bought up more land than Elkinsville to accommodate for floodplain. And that's where Elkinsville was. So Elkinsville wasn't at the heart of the land the government bought, but it was within the area of the floodplain. So therefore, when the government bought it, the Army Corps of Engineers had to come in and explain to the townsfolk, yeah, you all have to leave. This is all going to be destroyed to make way for the lake. Due to the reservoir being built, the floods were made more frequent and more intense, and it also cut off the town's main access to Nashville, which would make the town even more remote and isolated. Now, surprisingly, a few people to this day still live in the Elkinsville area, and there are still a few houses left that were once close to the town center, with more people now living on the outskirts of what was once known as Elkinsville. So there's still people that live in that area, just not close to what it once was, of course, not close to the town center. There are still some, like I said, foundations of homes. You can go in that area and see where there once were houses houses left, but it's not a safe area because <laughs> of water and no one lives in that floodplain. However, it is, you know, the original homes of the town, uh, the one-room schoolhouse, general store, etc., were all completely leveled and destroyed once the families were evacuated, and that was in order to make room for the reservoir. You know, one resident who wrote a book titled Brown County Mama, which is like, I gotta put a pause here. Brown County Mama is just like such a great title. Like, put that at your profile name. I put it in every bio on every form of social media. Brown County Mama, I just love it. Shout out to Brown County Mama, aka Catherine May Cross. She was the author of the book and the noted Brown County Mama. She's noted as saying, you know, it broke all of our hearts to leave the house and farm, but we had no choice as the government made it quite clear. 
There was freedom of spirit in the country, and I think of country living as being the closest to the creator that one could hope to be. Thank you for listening to the government and not trying to make a stand there, because that wouldn't be fun, guys. You know, when the government tells you to leave, unfortunately, you just kind of have to go with it. (laughs) That or be drowned by the reservoir. Now, to this day, the remaining families of those who originally lived in Elkinsville still gather in the month of October at the Old Carl Farm, which is a farm owned by the resident Bill Miller, to share stories and remember the town's history. What's interesting and cool is you can still visit the town of Elkinsville for yourself and see it. Uh, The house foundations are still intact, and there are even a few dilapidated homes left that you can see. In 2003, the families of the former residents raised funds to erect a monument stone to honor the history and families of those from Elkinsville. On the monument is the following poem. That day we moved, we'll never forget, as goodbyes were said and the sun set. Never again in these hills will roam, but in our hearts, this is always home. And isn't that just so beautiful? I just think that's so cute and quaint. So yes, Elkinsville is no more, sadly. You know, they were forced out by the government to make room for Lake Monroe. It is just an interesting history piece. Little fun fact, you know, that Brown County does have its own ghost town. And in fact, uh, I remember growing up and where I was located specifically in Brown County, you could see the homes. Now, also, here's a little, here's a little warning to you. If you go to the town of Elkinsville, there are still wells in the ground um, from where those homes had water, and they're dilapidated, of course. They're not used, of course. They're ancient. However, be careful where you walk because you could fall through and fall into one of the wells. And that's not fun for anyone because if you're out there in the remote ruralness of Elkinsville, you're not going to have access to cell phones. And so if you fall in those wells and you're by yourself, who's going to come get you out? nobody. Keep that in mind. Just be careful where you step. Be cognizant of the area. Brown County, like I've stated multiple times, has a lot of brush, has a lot of growth, has a lot of leaves, and it can be really hard to see where you're stepping before you step. So just keep it in mind when you're visiting any form of dilapidated, abandoned buildings, towns, what have you, that there can be wells. And what happens when you fall in a well? Well, it's feet underground, and you're probably not going to get out easily and you might break a leg. So just be careful, be cognizant of your surrounding area, okay? Dilapidated, abandoned places are not typically the safest, so just go in there with a little bit of caution. But the town of Elkinsville is really neat. It is neat to see where the foundations of these homes were. And if you go in the spring, you can most likely see house plants, such as like daffodils, ferns, that have been planted or were planted by the original owners of that property of Elkinsville. And in spring, those flowers are still around and still grow, which is very beautiful. So yeah, that's today's episode, you know, a little shorter one, a little fun fact one. But I love history and I love reading about these things. And I grew up, like I said, my whole life in Brown County. And I always heard about the town of Elkinsville. And it was a town that I met and talked to several people that were children that lived in Elkinsville. And everyone that talks about Elkinsville that was a resident there, you know, they have a love and an admiration for the town. It was a specific part of history for them growing up, you know, with no running water or electricity and going to a one-room schoolhouse. You know, that's just an interesting part of history that we don't maybe give enough focus to or attention to. And I just really like listening to those people's stories and hearing them talk about it. So I wanted to do, you know, a brief episode, deep dive into the town of Elkinsville, what happened, and what it's like today. 
going into the next episode I will be releasing, guys, we're going in another direction. You know me. I like to change it up. Every every episode is a little different here. The next episode I publish and post will be a true crime one. So if true crime's your thing, uh, check it that one out. Because... It is an insane one. Now, if you're new here, I love true crime. I'm very invested in true crime, specifically looking at like DNA analysis and how recently through improvements to DNA analysis, cold cases are being closed, our questions are being answered, and the victim and the victim's families are getting justice. I'm only reading and researching about true crime. So next week's episode, we're going back to the true crime realm, and it will be regarding the insanely, oh my gosh, insane case of an up-and-coming serial killer. That's right, folks. Serial killer from Brown County, Indiana, which this story is honestly very gruesome, intense, and and violent, and just crazy, especially when you're considering that Brown County is a small town of 1,500 people, and you just, I, it never ends with the true crime stories coming out from Brown County. This man, his name was Jerry Pelfrey, was just crazy. This man was intense, did some horrendous things. So we're going to be breaking down the case, who Jerry was, what did he do, and why. So if you're interested in that, please check back. Now, I'm doing a lot of extensive research on this episode because it is a slightly older one um, from several years ago. And like in many older cases, it can be a little bit more intense and harder to find exactly the research that you need, the articles that you need, the case information that you need in order to create a coherent story and timeline. So I'm working on that now, and that will be the next episode that comes out, is the up-and-coming serial killer, Jerry Pelfrey check back on that and hopefully I'll be posting that soon. In the meantime, stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye!